Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Kelly Stewart. Welcome to episode 11 of the Think Orphan podcast, where we seek to help you navigate the orphan crisis with experts from around the world. Phil, who are we talking with today? Yeah, today we get to hear from Rick Morton. I was able to sit down with Rick, who has written a couple books on uh, orphan care, and he also works with Lifeline Children's Services, who's doing a lot of great work to help alleviate the orphan crisis. So um, I just look forward for everyone to learn from Rick, as I have. Uh, For those of you who listened to the first episode of this podcast, Rick is a guy that I admire greatly, especially for his humility and just um, no no matter how much he learns, no matter how much he knows of this, he also realizes how much he doesn't know. One of the things he's always said to me is there's no magic bullet in this and we just have to keep pursuing what, um, you know, what we can learn and how we can learn more about how to do this work well. So I hope that we can all learn from him um, and that you can all uh, enjoy in the great wisdom that this man has. Absolutely. And we welcome your comments, your thoughts, any questions as always. And let's listen to the interview. Well, Rick, it's great to have you here with us today. Oh, thanks, Phil. I appreciate you uh, inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this conversation um, because I really am hoping that uh, it will let people into some of the conversations that you and I have had over the years um, about just general orphan care. You've taught me a ton about this stuff with your experience and your not just experience working um, in organizations, but your experience in life with these, uh, with these issues. So, you know, a lot of the, you know, people out there listening right now don't really know you and your story. I was hoping you could just share a little bit today about, um, kind of who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, I, I tell people all the time that, uh, I didn't set out to be, um, an orphan care advocate or, um, really claim any expertise in orphan care. I'm just a guy with a Bible. Um, you know, I was a, was a pastor, seminary professor. Um, one day my wife came home, uh, like a lot of our stories for adoptive families. My wife came home and said, um, Hey, I think God, God's leading us to adopt. And, you know, in a really super spiritual moment, um, I said to her, uh, absolutely not. You know, man, I've seen Dateline. I know how that works. Um, and and just really was kind of dismissive and a little bit scared. Um, and God was just gracious um, in allowing me the, 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 the journey of read, the journey of digging into the word. Man, I'm just a nerd. Um, with and, and so just got into the Bible and really began to to search for God's heart and, and the Lord just pursued me um, and 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 ultimately came to a place where I think I saw the 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 bigger thread of orphan care and its relationship to the gospel and the word and and God just you know kind of gave enough that um, that we you know we jumped out and took that first step and uh, and then when we were adopting our our first child Eric in, in 2003. Uh, the the experience of walking into an Eastern European orphanage for the first time was uh, was life changing, um, and it wasn't the it wasn't about him at that point um, because we knew you know he was going home and we were gonna we were gonna 
we, we could work and we could help with the things that were affecting him. It was the 200 plus kids that we walked out and left behind. Mm. And the Lord has just never let that get away from us. So, um, just progressively, God began to, to work in our hearts, uh, placed us in a church on staff that, um, we were able to talk a lot about orphan care. We were able to preach and teach a lot about orphan care and our church just really started to get it. Um, and so we were privileged to, to be in the middle of a body that, that in increasing ways understood, um, orphan care and, and its connection to the gospel and, and the presentation of the gospel that it is and, and, and the need for it under God's command. Um, and, you know, and then that led to, you know, writing a couple of books and, um, really just kind of about our experiences and, and some of the things that we lo- we learned along the way. Um, and, and then God, you know, did this most incredible thing and, uh, gave me the opportunity to serve full time in a ministry that is, is wrapped around the gospel and its mission and is, um, it is centered on caring for the fatherless. And so I'm just kind of getting to live the dream. Hmm. A couple things you just kind of quickly passed over there. First of all, uh, if you haven't read the couple books that Rick has has authored, uh, Orphanology and No Orphans, first one he wrote with Tony Merida, and they are both um, essential books to be reading if you're working in orphan care in any way. So I strongly recommend you pick those up. And uh, the other thing that you had mentioned is that you're now working with just a great organization. It's one of my... Uh, favorites. Don't tell anybody I said that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, Lifeline Children's Services. Can you just tell us a little bit about what Lifeline's doing here in the U S and, uh, in a lot of different countries around the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Lifeline exists to, um, to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children. Um, and, and ultimately we, we see ourselves as a disciple making ministry, uh, the lane that God has called us to do that in is in um, in care for uh, orphans and vulnerable children and for the families that um, that they come from and the families that um, that they're in. And so we kind of do that in four ways. We do um, adoption. Um, we um, we also do um birth parent ministry. Um, that's kind of part of our adoption ministry. Uh, we do foster care. Um, we have a ministry called Crossings, which is an educational component, um, which I'll talk about later. But understanding the, the the growing complexity of adoption, particularly on the international side, and really trying to help families to be well-equipped and to be well-counseled um, as they seek to be disciple-makers with the kids that they're bringing home. And then, uh, then our, our, the last, kind of the last line of our ministry is unadopted. And it's, um, you know, just the Lord has continued to um, to, to put the question in front of us with um, millions and millions and millions of orphans in the world and adoption only being an answer for a few um, what do we do for those kids that are that are unadoptable in the world's eyes, but um, but that uh, their adoption into God's family is the biggest question that um, that they'll ever face. Hmm. 
And with all the work that Lifeline's doing, you definitely have your finger on the pulse of, and not just with the work they're doing, but just what you do in your own research and your own experiences, you definitely have your finger on the pulse of, you know, the real issues, the biggest issues that we're facing today in orphan care. And um, that's really what we're trying to address here on this on this podcast. And so I'd just love to hear from you, you know, what do you think are two or three of the biggest issues that we're facing today in orphan care and how can we address them? Yeah, I, Phil, I think one of the one of the issues that continues to just really burn in my heart is um, is is the issue of how the church is connecting with um, with foster families and with adoptive families. Um, you know, we we've learned a lot in the last decade or so, particularly on the adoption side about um you know, kids that are coming from hard places and, and, you know, trauma informed care and, and how, how we have to parent differently and how we have to approach, um, kids differently because of the, the deep impact that, um, you know, that trauma and the experiences that, 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 that they've had, you know, impact everything from, you know, their, their chemistry to the, you know, to the wiring of their, their brains and the way that they think, um, the church has really been slow to catch up to that. And, you know, we um, and, and more and more and more I'm hearing pastors that are saying, you know, we, we've called families out to adopt. We've called families out to foster. We've we've asked them to be on the front line. Right thing to do. But we feel like as a church, we're completely unprepared to know how to respond to those families kind of in the mainstream of our, our church life. So, you know, they're, what they're seeing is that that these kids many times are are dissonant with um, the kinds of children's ministries and the kind of preschool ministries and student ministries that they have in their churches that um, that the families have needs that the church, you know, possibly wasn't expecting. And and I really think that there's uh, there's a need for us to begin to engage in the same way that we've engaged with parents. Um, there's a need for us to engage with churches and to help churches to make the, the the tweaks and changes and sometimes big sweeping changes to to what they do and how they do ministry in order to better affect and better respond to these families. Because, you know, quite quite honestly, I, I know a lot of adoptive parents that um, they just are so out of step with the with the mainstream of life in their church because of their kids behavior or because of the the things that are going on in their family that they they sort of feel isolated Mm. and just feel like they don't fit. Um, And and man, I think that's something that 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 we have to deal with. So that would be one. Mm. Two, I I think within the orphan care community, um, that that we we tend to sort of um, maybe choose up tribes based upon um, based upon what our preferred solution is or, or what our preferred strategy is for for facing the crisis. And so we're you know, we're reunification people or we're adoption people or we're, you know, whatever kind of people. And 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 people, I think, um you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're sort of finding ourselves at enmity with each other. And, and the reality is that none of those solutions in and of themselves is the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that adoption is the right solution for some kids. 
And reunification with birth family is is the right solution for others. And long-term stable foster care is the solution for others. And, you know, and we could go on and on and on different strata of we do and and ways that we approach caring for these kids and loving them in in Jesus name and so i you know i i really would almost have a plea to the orphan care community to to say you know can't can we just all get along <laughs> um you know and and can't we can't we find the common ground and and in some cases stop pointing fingers at each other and 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 agree that that there's a that this is really a, a more complex problem than sometimes we boil it down to um, when, you know, when we, when we tend to get into those discussions. Yeah. And that's something I know you and I have talked a lot about that, you know, there is no magic bullet in this. And, you know, over the last few years, you and I both know the conversation has evolved and changed and, you know, what was quote, right six years ago is now, you know, everyone says, I can't believe we thought that. And now we're learning new things and we're constantly learning and we're constantly having to be learners in this. And I think that's something I really respect about you is you are one that does continually learn and continually is examining how we can do this better. And with that, you know, um, we talk about collaboration. You and I have talked about that and we, we, we are collaborating in different ways on different projects and it's, it's great. But what, what have you seen that really works with collaboration, with actually working together? How can we do that well as the orphan care movement? Well, I, you know, Phil, at, at the end of the day, um, God has blessed us with a problem. If we choose to look at it this way, God has blessed us with a problem that's too big for any of us to solve. Hmm. So we need each other. You know, we we need the the body. We need the the varied gifts. We need the varied expertise. We need, you know, the presence of people in in different places. And and I I think, you know, when you look back not too many years ago in in the orphan care community, what you what you kind of saw was a lot of people who who were kind of doing their own thing in their own place. And and maybe the, the privilege that you know, that I'm most hold dearly in, um, in, in the place that I've gotten to sit in the orphan care world for a little bit is, is getting to go around and see a lot of people and meet a lot of people and see a lot of different kind of ministry. And, and there was a time where, you know, you would begin to see that, man, here's somebody in, you know, in, in a, in a particular place, maybe in Africa and, and they're doing great work in, in doing vocational training and discipling with kids and preparing them for, you know, for life after an institution. And then there's somebody in, you know, in South America that's doing the same kind of work. And the truth is those people didn't know each other mm. and, and they had their head down, you know, kind of in their, in their own place and in their own patch of ground. And, and they were, they were working hard <laughs> just to get through the day and just to, you know, just to do the ministry that God had placed in front of them. And, and I think where we're finding ourselves now is that, that there's a, there's a world of networking that's going on where those people are beginning to know each other mm-hmm. and those people are beginning to swap ideas and they're, and they're beginning to, you know, they're beginning to help ministries that, that do one 
people are realizing that they don't have to branch out and become all things to all people. What they need to do is take the one thing that they do well and and combine and 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 work with some people that do other things well, and and so that we you know we're together able to to affect bigger change and we're together able to you know to address bigger problems. And and really, honestly, that we're we're living out a proper theology where we're giving people we're giving the world a, a better picture of what, you know, what the body of Christ really is. Um, and, and that we're a hand or a foot or an eye or whatever. But together, um, you know, we're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, mm-hmm. and we've been given the gift of each other to to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Yeah, that's just some great stuff. That That is so good. Um, and kind of piggyback off that a little bit. In, in your most recent books, No Orphans, and the, the subtitle is Mobilizing the Church for Global Orphanology, um, you respond to some difficult questions that we're facing in global orphan care. And I'd, I'd like you to, and I know it's related to the last, actually your last two answers, but I want you to kind of get specific here if you can. And obviously I encourage everyone to buy and read the book, but if you could just kind of help answer this question for some people, because this is such a huge question for us today. Yeah. How do we mobilize the church to engage orphans worldwide? Yeah, well, I, I think the first thing that we have to do to, to mobilize the church is to help the church to understand that orphan care is not this little thing that we do off on the side that's kind of some somewhat tangential to our ministry or to our mission. Um, that orphan care is central to proclamation of the gospel. That that this is a theology issue before it's a practical issue. Um, you know, you look through the Old Testament and, and and you see that that God has always called His people to care for the fatherless. And 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 when we see the way that God did that through Israel, He did it in such a way that that He was getting the getting Israel to act out and to to portray His character in front of all of the other nations of the world. What was that for? It was because God was wanting them to point the nations to him and to his plan and to his son and to what he was going to do to bring about the redemption of the world. And so when when Israel was redeeming orphans and when they were treating them like, you know, like families and they were treating them, them like insiders instead of outsiders, God was saying to the nations, that's what I want to do for you. I want to treat you as an insider, not a, not an outsider. And the way that I'm doing that is through what Jesus has done. And and so, you know, so we when we mobilize the church, I think many times, particularly with pastors, we, we suffer with this deal where pastors see this as kind of this quirky little ministry that exists off on the side. But I think they're afraid that it's going to sort of bleed the the attention and the strength out of the main thing that the church is supposed to do. Hmm. And what we need to help them understand is, no, that's not it at all. What this is doing is this is doing crucial work mm-hmm. where where we're able to to care for those who can't care for themselves. And we're able to show the world what the love of Jesus looks like so that we can then tell them about the love of Jesus. You know, in, in my family. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of a lot of stuff, and, and at times theologically, we've sort of outkicked our coverage in in talking about adoption and kind of equating adoption in in an earthly sense with spiritual adoption and what God does in bringing us into His family. But the gift that I believe God's given my family in, in the you know in the in the adoption story of our three kids is we can't talk 
kids and we can't talk God into our family and, and about the, you know, the love we have for them and all that, that we don't kick the door wide open to be able to tell people about Jesus and about what he's done. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's not that we did of some sense of, of us trying to mimic God in a way or, or us, us adopting because, because God's an adoptive father or anything else. But, but man, God, God's blessed us that, that because we've, because we've done this, um, you know, it just gives us one more way to be able to testify to, you know, who he is and, and, and what he's done and what he wants to do for the world. Yeah. And that's, that's something I've, I've talked, um, to a lot of people about kind of what you hit there in the, in the, in your answer there, as far as, you know, this isn't some side issue. This isn't some, you know, um, just orphan Sunday. And I, you know, I'm not, <laughs> taken away from you know what that might be able to do but it needs to be so embedded in the dna of the church because it's the core of god's heart and you know this is something that god believes very strongly in to to care for he is the father of the fatherless and he cares for these kids and he loves these kids um so so much and you know i think that if we are image bearers which we are that we should be having that same heart and so i think you know that's something that I read um, it, it kind of bleeds throughout your whole book and both your books. So um, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that, you know, we and, and the deal is, man, everybody can somehow um, live out the, the call of James 127. You know, that that I think that sometimes people think that, that doing orphan care in the church means that everybody has to foster or everybody has to adopt or everybody has to do these big things. And and we sort of laughingly, you know, adoptive parents and, and foster parents are like the Green Berets of this deal. Mm. You know, they're the ones that are sticking the knife between their teeth and jumping out of the helicopter and trying to figure it out on the way down. Right. And but but the place of you know people to to do really simple things that that add up to big things i, I remember there's there's a a film faultless about the american foster care system and jonathan good and i were talking about a a guy that viewed film and 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 he basically is a senior adult man who says um you know hi my name's joe and and i do foster care and and it's like he said, I you know, I, I'm I'm too old. I can't I can't I can't take care of a child. There's never gonna be a foster child that's gonna be li- that's gonna live in my home. But but I'm my name, you know, my name's Joe and I've got a lawnmower. And mm-hmm. so what I do is I go to the homes of the foster families in our church and I cut their grass every week. Because what I know is that I'm that I'm giving them an hour or two every week that they're not worrying about cutting their grass so that they can you know, they can rest or they can pour into the kids that God's given them in their home, you know, and, and so me and my lawnmower, we do foster care. <laughs> and dude, yeah. if we just could get that message across to the church and to right. say there are teachers and people that could tutor and there are, you know, there, there are people that that can be surrogate grandparents and, and all these kinds of things that don't require people really to push that far, even out of their comfort zone. But it's just about taking what they have and, and giving a little bit of it to um, to care for someone who doesn't have the ability to care for themselves. Right. And I, I know uh, our good friend Johnny Carr has a great book that gives so many good ideas on how each person can do little things, big things, medium-sized things 
um, in every area of orphan care. That book's Orphan Justice for those of you who are uh, looking for another great book to read if we haven't given you enough of those uh, great resources already. Man, I, I hate to disappoint you, but Johnny Carr is my wife's favorite author. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, <laughs> I love Johnny. You yeah. Know Yep, yep. He's yeah, he's a, a great man, a great man who's doing some amazing things in this area and will continue to for many years to come, I'm sure. And uh so on that note, um what one thing have you read or listened to in the past few months that has most shaped your thinking on these issues that we're uh, that we're working with? Man, you know, and it's it's really um it's not even an orphan care book. <laughs> yeah. It's a book that I know and that maybe just often. That's disappointing to all of us that write them, I guess. But um, <laughs> but a, a book um, a book titled uh, "Subversive Kingdom" by Ed Stetzer mm. um, has has really been impactful. And it's not that it's not that a lot of what's in the book aren't aren't things that I've you know wrestled with or whatever. But um, Ed really just kind of unpacks the idea that you know that we're we're living as aliens in this world. We're we're not our citizenship isn't here. Um, but we've been placed in the middle of this, um, of, of this life to live in a way that's, that's countercultural in the best kind of way. It's countercultural in a way that, that, that makes Jesus attractive. And it's countercultural in a way that, that lives against the norms and, and demonstrates the, the character of God and the goodness of God. And, um, and it's, and it's a winsome way of living that's servant hearted and, and humble and, um, you know, and, and all of the things that, you know, that, that Jesus is and that he showed us to be, um, in, you know, in his life. And, and so, you know, just thinking in terms of that, um, the, the things that we do in orphan care are, are subversive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're against the mainstream. They're, they're different than what the, you know, than the prevailing winds of the culture, um, but we do it for no other reason ultimately than 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 the fact is that we're citizens of a kingdom that live by those rules. And we're pointing to a day when when there are gonna be no more orphans and they're gonna be there's gonna be no more death and drug abuse or any of that sort of stuff because Jesus is going to reign fully, mm-hmm. completely um and and so when we when we do these little subversive acts in the culture of 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 righting wrongs and bringing justice to places where it doesn't exist, like the things that we're doing in orphan care, we're basically just putting a taste on the lips of the culture of who Jesus is and and the reality of the kingdom that that he's that he's already ushered in, but that that we can look to a future day when that's going to be complete. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, and the last question, man, we could, we could go on for a lot longer, but we're, we are coming to our last question here. Um, what person has most shaped your thinking in the area of orphan care? What's you, man? Um, <laughs> other than me and Jesus. Um, so I can't give you and I can't give the Sunday school answer. I know, but, I know. I'm making it but, hard. I'm making it hard. Sorry, man. I, you know, um, and and I would I could go through a litany of people in um, in the orphan care world and and because there have been so many people um, that I love dearly you know Johnny Carr and you and Herbie Newell and people that that have 
that have impacted me greatly. Russ Moore, my buddy Tony, you know, those kind of people. Mm-hmm. The honest answer is my wife. Mm. <laughs> you know, my wife, Denise, mm-hmm. um, the the selfless example that she provides is she – as she loves on our kids in the middle of their, their difficulties and their struggle, her commitment to her commitment to the Lord in um, in praying like the, you know, like the persistent widow when she had a husband that didn't get it. Mm. And she didn't, you know, she didn't freak out and go crazy and, you know, hound me to death. She she prayed for God to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was faithful and she believed it. And, you know. And just the, the the stalwart, unwavering commitment um, that she has to follow this calling, no matter the cost. Hmm. Hmm. And she's made a huge impact, and and I'm her biggest fan. Well, that is a great place to end, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for being with us, and just for uh, being able to share some of your wisdom with with everyone out there man thank you for having me i love you my friend and i i appreciate all that you do and all that you've uh, contributed to my life well as expected rick brought a lot of wisdom to this conversation and to this podcast and uh, i just want to hear a little bit from you kelly what uh what you heard from rick that stuck out out of his uh interview one thing that I heard that I think is right on was just how he talked about how churches don't often know how to help foster parents or adoptive parents um, and just the feeling of isolation that those parents have in trying to deal with um, with their their newfound family and just how to integrate back into church or school or whatever that may be that really hit home to me. And is that something that you felt, um, that isolation when you came home with Judson? Absolutely. You know, I think you have to begin to see things differently. Uh, We were obviously very involved in our church, uh, great kids ministry. But one thing I had to really reexamine was, you know, you take them to a classroom that can often look like what they just left coming from an orphanage. And you are expected to drop them off in a classroom with an adult that they don't necessarily know, with children that they've never seen before. And so for weeks I had I would stay in Judson's classroom and just kind of seeing that from a new perspective of it doesn't matter how incredible your kids ministry is just the consistency of of adults that are the same and just how what works for kids who have maybe not come from an orphanage doesn't necessarily work for uh, families and who have kids that have. And so uh, just not knowing the space of how to talk through some of those things definitely leads you to uh, to draw draw back. Yeah, and that's something that when you told me that uh, earlier, it just really struck me because this is coming from someone who's the pastor's wife. I mean, this is someone who obviously is very integrated into the church, knows everybody, presumably knows the people at the children's ministry. But even with that, it's it's still something that from the child's perspective, they don't know any of that. And for them, it could be extremely confusing, particularly when you're talking about the bonding and having to bond with you, you having to bond with, with him. And that must be something that, uh, you know, adoptive parents are going through that really if you haven't gone through that even if you have a difficult child that's biological as do I 
um, it's different. It's very different because that child has different bonding issues, different attachment issues than the biological child. And so there's, there's just different things that we need to really be cognizant of, um, by we, I mean like myself, who's never adopted a child, but to be able to really think through the eyes of, of an adoptive parent in that situation to say, Hey, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I believe just to the depths of my heart that we have to open up conversation and spaces for families who have adopted or who are fostering that feels safe, that feels um, just a place that they can be real about some of these issues that they're that they're walking through. Um, I know that just in post adoption work that is crucial for the health of the family. And so um, I think church is just having that conversation and just kind of stepping back and saying, we, we call people to adopt or we call people to foster, or we call people to you know work with vulnerable children, but yet what are we doing on the other side of that? So I love you know just even how Rick is, is a constant learner. And I think even you and I, how much we have learned, even though we've been in this, this realm of, of orphan care for a while. And so let's share, Phil, what's, what's something that you've learned or something you've listened to lately that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, actually today I'm going to share a book that I've been, I uh, just finished reading. It's actually probably about an hour it took me to read it because it's a short book, but it's just chock full of incredible stuff. It's a little outside the box. It's not an orphan care book per se, but it's about creativity. It's about how we can really think and how we can do things um, innovative, to be, do innovative things. It's called Steal Like an Artist. It's by Austin Kleon. It's a book I'd heard about before um, from several other podcasts, but I'd never picked it up. And finally I picked it up and read it. And now I know why so many people are talking about it. It's a very um, short book, like I said, but it's just, it's it makes you think different. I mean, even the title is provocative, Steal Like an Artist, but it's really the idea that we, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, from Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun and we are stealing Every great idea is basically a collaboration, a conglomeration of other great ideas. It's a lot of what we're talking about on this show that in order to do this great work, we need to collaborate and work with each other. And that implies that we're gonna take a lot of these different great ideas and make them into something potentially better. And the only way to make something better is to try new things and to try things based on the great ideas that came before us. And so one of the ideas that he talks about, for instance, is you know we need to really study someone that we respect and someone that we admire and it, what we need to study about them is who influenced them, who impacted them, what are their great thoughts, and then go study those people and then study the people that they were influenced by. And we get this family tree, so to speak, of great ideas. And it was something that really stuck out to me and something that I think everyone can learn from and take something from. And if we can all start thinking that way, I think that the ideas and the innovative, um, great things that we can be doing in this, in this space will really help to love the children better. It will really help to help um, every society flourish in ways that I think we haven't seen before. Great. Thanks for sharing. And we appreciate your download. Join us next week as we have a chance to hear from John Sowers and what it looks like to mentor. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. 
When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.